Okay, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll be at the very end of Luke and at the very beginning of the book of Acts. Luke 24 and then Acts 1, you can follow along in the bulletin or your own Bible or the blue pew Bible that is in front of you. Remember as I read these words that it is Luke who's carried along by the Holy Spirit to write these words. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, which was book one, and then he wrote the book of Acts, which is his second volume. We'll be studying the book of Acts for many months. This is the beginning of that. Luke 24, verse 44. Then he, Jesus, said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high, and from Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, it's a sweet time for us to be together as the people of God, yours. This is your church, which you are alive and active and leading. Jesus, you're the head. Would you do the same thing this morning that you did to the disciples? Would you open our minds to understand? Would you cause doubting minds to receive the clarity and authority and conviction of your word being true? Would you let us think deeply about these things and feel correctly? Father, open our minds. We know that work is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're desperate for that illumination. So bring that to us now. We ask Jesus for your sake. Amen. Luke is used by God to write these two really important books for the church. He tells us from the very beginning of Luke, the gospel, why he's writing, and He speaks about writing so that a friend named Theophilus, and the name Theophilus means lover of God or loved by God, so that he, this individual, might have reason, concrete reason to believe in what he's been told. Luke continues the second book by again addressing Theophilus. This morning, as we as a church look to these words, we're looking to the same God who was poured out on the people there, the Holy Spirit. 
to build his church, the same church, the same mission. And the way I would like to move forward today, I'm going to give you a simple outline to follow. And it's simply this, that God has given us this incredible, uh, really, credibility of his word. So I want to talk about the credibility of his word, the clarity of his mission, and being clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we jump into that outline, I want, I want you to, to think about your own relationship with the Lord right now. If you are in Christ Jesus and you would profess to be a believer, then you are secure in Jesus. You can never lose your salvation. You are secure in his grip. And yet you're on a journey that is not yet complete. One day you will be in the presence of Christ in glory. You really will. He may return before he calls you home or he may call you home before he returns. But on that journey, it's a struggle. That's why we had that wonderful theme, Sojourn, last year. And though that series is over, the sojourn hasn't stopped, has it? Still heavy, hard. But as we move along, or as the Lord moves us along, there are two aspects of our life that can paralyze us from growing as he calls us to grow. The first is pride. When we come to open the word of God, to understand the things of God, to embrace the doctrines of God, to be the people that he's called us to be, there is a temptation over time for us to think that we know enough already, that we've given enough already, that there's nothing really more for us to know or understand. And we can actually look at other people and see how they're doing on that grid and feel pretty good about ourselves. It's pride. And pride causes paralysis. We simply think we are better than we are. And what we know, what we've experienced, what we think. But there is another side to this that is also equal in its ability to paralyze, and that is shame. And shame is the opposite of pride in this sense that a person hears who they're supposed to be, what the church is supposed to be like, and instead of thinking, I've heard enough, I've done enough, I've given enough, they say, I should know more. I should have given more. I should have been more involved. And when they, they look at all that is, is being called upon for those who profess faith in Christ, they become paralyzed because they don't really want to admit that the disconnect is, is really there, that the gap, as Chad prayed in our last service, between who we are and who we're called to be, it can be really great. So pride or shame causes us just to get stuck. My friends, what you need to know is that God is always about moving us towards the likeness of Christ, always. This side of heaven, we will never be in a place where we can say, I get it fully. I've given fully. I have done it fully. There just isn't. There is always gonna be room for us because of the flesh to have that sanctifying work of the Spirit drilling down into us, making us more and more like Jesus. And there are times in our life when if we're honest, we've, we've been living the wrong way and we haven't embraced the things that we should embrace. And that's where the enemy would use shame. You know, I should know more. I should have given more. I should be more engaged. 
But instead of saying, God, open my mind and save me from that, we, we stay stuck. The reason I start there is because we're moving into a study that is not centered primarily on the past and not certainly centered just on the promises of the future, but upon the work of God right here and now. That the Lord who has called his church into existence, who is going to build his church and sanctify his people until the last person is saved, that is his people, that are his people, until that happens, he is going to be alive and at work. How do we know? Because of his word. So we're going to start there. Luke gives us the credibility of God's word. Luke does it in an amazing way. First, let's talk about who he was. He's a physician. He is very bright. His Greek language and the way in which he writes is among the most beautiful in all of the New Testament. He actually, from the beginning of Luke, tells us specifically why he is writing, and I've already mentioned it. It was to give an orderly account to Theophilus. This orderly account, though given to Theophilus as Luke is carried along by the Holy Spirit, is something thousands of years later the church continues to use. Why? Because Luke was faithful. He was faithful in going to eyewitnesses and asking them questions so that he himself could have the evidence that what has been spoken about this person, Jesus, is true. It is credible. Now, some of us need to start there. If you're honest, some of you struggle with the credibility of the word of God. And I would encourage you to take this season to embrace that, to move into that, to read works that speak about the authority of scripture, about the inerrancy of scripture, that would help you wrestle with things that you might see as disconnects. God gives us the freedom to do that. But the position I take here behind this pulpit is what I believe and this church believes to be true of the word and that it is credible. And that Luke truly went to these eyewitnesses historically that saw what happened to Jesus and he recorded that account. So that Theophilus and then today in 2017, you and I could have reason to believe the things that have been here. So when Luke writes, as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, you see the credibility of the word, the authority of the word. And here in the text that we're looking at today, it begins with Jesus himself speaking about the authority of the word. Look with me again at verse 44. Luke 24, 44, Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That's amazing. Now, everything written about Jesus in the Old Testament, this is exactly what Luke mentions, from the law of Moses, from the prophets and the Psalms, had to be fulfilled, but it hasn't yet been fulfilled completely. There is still in this incredible history of redemption, things to come. And that's why we can say from the credibility of God's word that he is alive 
Jesus our Lord and that he is alive here and now. Jesus said in verse 44, these things must be fulfilled. That is why it is important for us as believers to study the Bible, to know the word of God. One of our identity statements says that we know and live the word of God. And the reason that is important is because God's word is one of the primary means by which he is alive and active today. You ever wonder why we offer so many Bible studies? You ever wonder why we encourage you to be involved in small groups? You ever wonder why we would have a youth intern slash residence program? All for the purpose of helping people see the credibility of God's word that it is through his word and spirit that he reveals that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, many of you are involved in a small group or a Bible study, whether it's in, in, in a group with other people you've been with a long time or new, or maybe even your own study that you're doing independently. The word of God is powerful and alive here and now to enact real transformation and the reason is because the Bible is unlike any other book. It is a book that is authored by God, and it is a book that God alone can illuminate. This is important. The disciples saw many things about Jesus. They walked with him for three years, but they were often very confused. That's why the book of Acts is so encouraging. They were often a long way from really connecting and catching on. But when God moved, and he had to move, he opened their minds to see and understand. Verse 45 says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I don't know about your Bible study. I don't know about how you open the word and read it. But I wanna tell you, that unless the Lord opens your mind to understand it, you can't. You can be smart about things about it. You can even memorize it. You could even say, and, and this is actually true, Satan knows the word of God. But until God himself opens your mind to understand, you can't truly know all that it means. My point is that God Jesus, our Lord, is alive and doing that work right now. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like us opening the word in a sanctuary or in a Sunday school room or at a breakfast place or with our spouse or at our desk and saying, God, open my mind to these things. And he does. Even the credibility of his word. This summer I was speaking at a at a conference, and a camp, and I was speaking on the centrality of the cross for Christians and the importance of the cross. During this time, a young man who truly had, had professed faith and had a life that looked like he was a believer, I saw him from a distance, and he was being obedient to something I challenged the group to do, and that was to go up on the mountain to one of the three crosses that are on this property and to sit before the cross. Just consider your life before the cross of Jesus. And I saw this young man moving up the mountain, and I wondered what he was doing. 
A little while later, that young man came and found me. He said, can we talk? I have a few questions about God. And I obviously inside am jumping up and down, but I remained calm and simply said, yes, I would love to talk. He said, can we go to the chapel? I thought there's a little bit of intensity in his pursuit. And I said, yes, so we went to the chapel. He then pulled out a piece of paper about this long in which he had six questions written. The first question, I know by heart, it said, how do we hear God? And the next four questions really were centered on how do you know whether or not you're truly a believer in Jesus, a Christian? And the third one was centered on how can you live the word of God? And so I began to answer those questions one by one. And it was obvious as he responded, as we discussed, that he wanted to know for sure that he was a believer in Jesus. He wanted to know for sure that the prayer he had prayed as a younger man mattered. He wanted to know for sure that he was going to spend eternity with heaven. But he didn't just want assurance. He didn't just want insurance. He wanted to live for God. And it was burning in his soul. And we cried together. We prayed together. And when we finished, he said, you still haven't answered the first question. How do you hear God? And I said, well, I saved it for last. How do you hear God? You just did. God is the one who led you to that cross. God is the one who opened your mind to even put these questions in print. God is the one who moved you from a position of pride. I already know enough. I've already prayed a prayer. Or of shame. I should know I'm a believer. I should already be hungry for God. He's the one who gave you the courage enough to step forward and say, I have some questions about God. Notice as I answered your questions, I went to the word. God speaks to us through the power of his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. He just did. And this young man smiled because he, for the first time, began to experience the illumination of the Holy Spirit in a way that made deep sense. And once he understood that, then every one of those other questions fell in place. His security in Christ and union with Christ, and now his desire to be in the word and live the word was firmly planted. But if the credibility of the word didn't exist, that conversation was a waste. but it does because it's God's word. God's word doesn't just reveal its credibility. It also reveals the clarity of his mission. Luke tells us as he transitions from book one to book two that Jesus spent 40 days on the earth talking to the disciples. And he tells us in Acts chapter one, verse three, that he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. So as Christ resurrected, now walking on this earth, met with his close friends, what was the focus of his speech? It was the kingdom of God. Don't miss that. It was the kingdom that he was central, centrally focused on. It was his kingdom in which he is the head. I want to ask you a question. When you consider your life, 
And if you were to take a pie chart and someone along with you was to do an, do an honest evaluation, how much of your time every day is spent on thinking about extending the kingdom of God? Think about it. There's a circle and there's all these colors that represent different percentages. How much of your life is spent thinking about the kingdom of God? 10%? 90? 50? Shade it in. What's it look like? I want to tell you something. That is a ridiculous thing to do. Don't do it. Don't. Do you know why? What's important about the pie chart for us spiritually is the title of the chart. And the title of the chart is the kingdom of God. Your life and my life is to be centered on the kingdom of God 100%. It's not a part of our life, church, Bible study, maybe a committee, check. It is the kingdom of God that is the chart of our life. We are part of his kingdom, 100%. So the other aspects of our life fit under that reality, under that essence. How I think about being a dad, how I think about being a husband, how I think about being a pastor, doesn't make up these percentages that then create this false dichotomies between all these other things. It's the essence of my life. It is the kingdom of God. And what the Lord wants to reveal to us through his credible word is that that's what it's all about. What happens is that Mark gets really engaged in building a different kingdom. I get really excited about building my own. Sometimes I don't even know I'm doing it. And by the way, ministry is a big mistress there. We can be building our kingdoms in so many subtle ways when the Lord is saying, there is only one. There's only one kingdom that matters. There's only one kingdom that's eternal. And there's only one king of that kingdom. And it's not you. It is Jesus, our Lord. And what Jesus wants from all of us is to see that it's his kingdom, 100%, that we're a part of. And everything else, retirement, college, career, parenting, recreation, fits under the essence of that kingdom. Now, are you gonna think about this from a position of pride? I already knew that. I'm one of the kingdom-minded people in this church, thank you. I'm glad you finally started teaching on that. <laughs> or are you gonna be over here in this category of shame? I should have known that. I'm not giving that much. I've gotta increase those percentages. My friend, you've missed it. What the Lord wants you to know that he is alive and at work every day when he brings new mercies. 
Every day, he's alive and at work as your Lord to overwhelm you with his grace to say, yes, it is all about my kingdom. And yes, every day you're gonna struggle to build your own. And yes, every day I'm gonna give you new mercies so that you won't be overwhelmed by that. But instead, you'll be overwhelmed by me. That's the grace of our Lord. And how does that work? Well, it moves from the credibility of his word to the clarity of his mission, which is always his kingdom, advancing in and through you and me to being clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. So at the end of Luke, some of Jesus' final words are stay put in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now imagine you're his disciples. You you know about the crucifixion. You know about the resurrection. He's now been walking around with you doing some strange things. But the focus of his message is the kingdom. And then he says, wait. Wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And then Luke introduces his second book. And as he does, he speaks about the power that's coming. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The same Holy Spirit that overwhelmed the people at Pentecost is living inside you right now. If you are a Christian, that same Spirit is living inside you right now. Just think about that. He is the one who at some point in your life enabled you to believe that Jesus alone is the Savior. He is the one who enabled you to move from pride or shame into the present moment of being alive in Christ. And he is the one who's going to continue to reveal to you every day the mercies of God as he seeks to take you and me from one place to another, making us more and more and more like Jesus. This is the church. Are you part of it? If you're in Christ, you are. If you're not in Christ, you can't say that yet. Maybe today would be the day that he reveals that to you. If you long for it, simply pray, open my mind, God, open my heart. If you know him already, know that he wants to take you in him places that you and I cannot even imagine. Not so we'll become prideful, but so that we will see his glory as he has taught us. He is Lord. Jesus is alive. He is at work here and now. Christ, thank you for the word that you've given us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, 
for opening our minds to believe. I do pray with sensitivity, Lord, towards those who are struggling to believe. And I know, I know they're bound to be here. I pray for you to overwhelm them with your grace, that they would enter into conversation, really seeking to know the truth. And I pray that you would satisfy that itch, that you would give them faith. And until that day, Lord, I pray that they would feel so much love from the body of Christ. For we all, at one point, were on a journey really saturated in disbelief. And some of us, Lord, are still there. But you have the power to answer those doubts, to truly transform us. So Lord, like the young man who had the courage to ask an older man, how do I know? Regardless of our age, would you open our minds and give us the courage to say, we need you to reveal your truth. We pray in Christ's name, amen.